Well, it's good to see you tonight. I'm so glad you're here. Um, you know, we never receive an offering on Wednesday night, but because we have a really special speaker tonight, we want to give you an opportunity to bless him. He, in fact, he's come a long way. Uh, he actually pastors in Sydney, Australia. So you're going to be really blessed tonight. Uh, he's been a great friend, uh, David Crabtree and his wife, Narelle. They've been great friends of ours for, well, it's been what, two, a couple of years now, isn't it? And uh, three years. Yeah, actually, we came, he came here, and then we went there and ministered. I ministered there not this summer, but the last summer we went there, which was their winter. Uh, we, went from, <laughs> we went from summer to winter. That's what they've done. They've, they came here, and they went from summer to winter. Anyway, uh, we're, I'm just really excited. Uh, they, serve, they just have a great church in Sydney, and they have a lot of the same people we do. Leif Hetland, uh, Graham Cook, uh, Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin. You know, a lot of the same people that come here come to their place. So we have a real connection, uh, you know, and so I'm really excited. And just, just recently, uh, David, uh, what's his last name? Starts with a W. Uh, David, thank you. Okay, good. David Wagner, yeah. David Wagner was here just recently uh, at the Breathe Conference. And, uh, and of course, uh, actually, uh, David Crabtree helped to give it, put a good word in for us so, so he would come here. So, uh, so we, I want to just pray. And, uh, you know, you can make your checks to the rock. Anything that goes in those buckets will go to bless them. They've come a long way. And uh, also, uh, there's credit card things there if you want to do, if you want to do that, however you want to do it. So, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this opportunity to, to just have a, a brother all the way from down under. And uh, that he would sacrifice this summer to be in our winter. And, uh, Father, we just, we just speak a blessing over him. And th I thank you for the opportunity we have to just bless his ministry as he travels all over Asia and ministers all over Asia and Australia and also in the United States. And so, Father, just bless him tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you come on up and give him a great hand as he comes. told me I'd be on air as soon as I got up. Thank you. It's just wonderful to be back here again. I, I love this part of the States. Um, this church has been a friend to us as well. And JR, uh, thank you. And uh, we loved him down our way. And uh, we do have similar friends. They still speak nicely of you. <laughs> But it is interesting because, uh, the, the, I don't know what we call it, but uh, uh, there's, there's not as much a delineation between different denominations as, as we might call streams. And uh, some streams are rivers and some are deep. And others are not as deep. But we have this interesting character among us all that we, we, we just want to hang out with God. We want to hang out with Jesus. We want to let the Spirit be the Spirit. Yay. And um, last week, Sunday, I was here. This week, Sunday, I was, I was here. Totally enjoyed it. Pastor Jeff, I think, was speaking. Hadn't met him before, but enjoyed what he had to say. The previous Sunday, I was with, and a surprise to me, because of the connections I have in Indonesia, there's an Indonesian church just up the road toward Denver here, and I was speaking at that church two Sundays ago. And uh, I was uh, 
somewhat surprised. I wasn't overly surprised, but surprised when I said, oh, you know, do you all speak English or do you need translation? Oh, no, he said, we need translation. And uh, I just spent time a few weeks back in a, uh, a large-ish Indonesian church in Bandung, which is west of Jakarta. Uh, they have a membership of 35,000 people. So, which blew me away when we first went in there four years ago. And uh, I was not expecting such a robust community of believers in the midst of what for them was, was a reasonable degree of, of, of intensity in regard to opposition, persecution, those kinds of things um, in Indonesia being largely a, a Muslim popula population. But 35,000 people spread over nine congregations and the ones that Norell and I were speaking at, two different ones, um, four or five sessions a day, back to back, and would start at seven in the morning. And, and there was one time where, where they said, when, you, when the clock hits zero, they do a countdown, and uh, when you hit zero, that's, you have to stop. <laughs> and no preacher likes to stop. But also, I, 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 I know that there's, in this congregation, 2,000 people who need to get out and another 2,000 who need to come in ready in time for the next session. So, you know, it, it would be jeopardizing myself if I took too long in the first session. The difficulty I found, uh, because I wanted to do healing, and how do you do healing in the space of 30 minutes, half of which is taken up with translation? So the first time I went in, I said, I'll just, I'll just honor them and what they do and I, I won't try and shift their schedule around. And in fact, the whole time I never shifted their schedule around, I shifted mine around. But as they got to know me and began to trust what was happening, uh, I was able to take a few you know, program liberties and... Uh, last year and also this year, I just told them up front, I said, you know I can speak, you know we have a limited time, you know I want to do healing at the end of this session, so I'm going to talk for about five minutes, which means ten minutes all up with the translation, and then we're going to do some healing. So uh, the first time I did that four years ago, and we said we're going to do some healing, and for those of you, I said we'll make it, we haven't got time to go through word of knowledge and, and you know, build it up that way, uh, so anyone with pain in their insides, in their joints, or in their head, please, please raise your hand or stand. Nobody moved. I'm, I'm illustrating at the moment. Yes, I'll come, I'll come to you a bit later. So, but that's, you can take a seat. I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you in a minute. <laughs> so I'm talking about the Indonesian group. But, but I have another story. I was in, the, in Penang, and I was with the leadership thing and teaching them on healing, etc., etc., and, and I, I was illustrating like I was then. And uh, the pastor's wife, who was a doctor, both she and her husband run a clinic, both doctors, both run a church, and I said, you know, we haven't got time, and I illustrated, and I said, you know, if you've got a pain in your body, be healed in Jesus' name is a really good short prayer to pray. And this lady who was standing up because she had pain sat down. She says, what are you sitting down for? She says, I'm healed. I said, but I was only illustrating. She said, that'll do me. She said, that was close enough. I just took it and sat down. <laughs> and the pain that was in her just totally disappeared. 
So the pain that's in you, let it disappear in the name of Jesus. There are a couple of others who stood. So just check yourselves out during, we'll, we'll spend some time ministering. And uh, um, I'm not sure how to illustrate without being real. But you can take it and go, that, that night after, you know I'm on another story, don't you? I'll come back to the original one. That night I was back in with, with uh, another, another meeting in the evening, on a Saturday evening, and uh, I was illustrating in the area of healing and, and I asked, you know, how many need healing? Only one guy raised, only one in the entire group. Um, and I leaned over to the doctor and said, your clinic is pretty good. Said either that or they're chicken. You know what chicken means? Frightened. And he leaned to me and he says, Chicken. There's a culture that's there that if you admit that you have a problem, you lose face. This guy stood, and I've, I'd seen him play bass, and he was also helping out with the sound at the back of the back of the room. And, uh, and he stood. And so I got people around him to start praying and then I got everyone else to bless each other, which we'll do tonight before we're over. And, uh, and then I noticed them clapping at the back there and I said, something's happening while everyone else was praying and I raced up the back to check him out. And he says, well, he says, I saw our, our pastor steal her healing because she did it when I wasn't giving it away just then. You get the drift, don't you? So he said, I thought I'm going to steal my healing as well. He said, I was, I was, I was there and, and I have a pain in my wrist. In fact, I almost stood down from doing worship tonight because it was so painful. I also could barely walk because I damaged my ankle and I was going to go to the doctor's clinic on the weekend to get to check out the pain that hasn't gone away for several weeks and the whole three of them have just gone. So there is, I'm illustrating for you, it's okay to steal your healing out of season. And there's a good story where that woman just made her way through and tugged on Jesus' cloak, coat, whatever it was, and stole a healing. Now the Bible doesn't say steal, but she did it out of season. So... God doesn't have seasons where it's time in or time out, so which, which is really good. Back to the first story. You with me now? So stand up. Nobody stood for quite some time, and I, I spoke to the translator, and he says, oh, because there's a little bit of shame involved. So I just quoted James and says, you know, James says that we need to confess our faults to another, and we get healed. A few people stood up. More people stood up. They got them. We got each other praying. And just about all of them were healed. Come forward now, three years. And so I said, now I'm going to just speak for a very brief period of time because I haven't got time. So we need to teach you how to do this. And uh, so those of you with, with pain, please stand. I'm illustrating. <laughs> and it seemed like almost half the audience stood. And I remember thinking at the time, I said, I... And this is so different to what it was two years prior. And, uh, and I thought, we're not going to have enough people to pray for the people who stood. But we managed it. And finally, we took a little bit of time before everyone sort of 
got connected in and, uh, and began to pray. And, and, and one after another, it was a bit like popcorn going off. You know, Suddenly they'd all clap and you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. And there were just, just scores of people healed just in like that. And uh, I just love what God is doing. And on the Sunday night, I, I spoke on, on blessing. We've been doing this at church. Speaking in blessing into our community, speaking blessing, using the authority of Jesus, not asking God to bless, but we take the authority in the name of Jesus, I bless you, so polka dot lady, I'm going to bless you in the name of Jesus with full and complete health and freedom from pain. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your relationships. I'm going to bless that so there is peace in your household and joy that comes back in. So you're not going to wake up in the morning worrying about what's going to happen during the day. I bless you with fulfilled, happy, joyful days. So that's an illustration, but I did it for real. Blessing each other changes the atmosphere. On the Sunday night in Indonesia, um, I, I taught on this and got 2,000 people blessing each other. The change in the atmosphere in the entire place just, just rose. The pastors who were down the front you know, came and spoke to me after and said, it just radically altered and changed, so much so it made healing much more easy. So creating an atmosphere, changing the atmosphere, through blessing is so powerful. I was in Perth just before, just again, a few weeks ago. And uh, on the Sunday night, I was in a, I did three churches, and on this last church, I spoke on this whole issue of blessing. And uh, came to the end of the service time at 8 p.m., and uh, we'd, they'd all spent time blessing each other. And there was quite a buzz uh, in the house. But the pastor had said just before we started, there will be healing in the house tonight. So whenever anyone announces healing like that, that's a go for it command. Because when you speak it out, when you speak it out, you, you create an atmosphere for that to happen. So the pastor had already said there'll be healing in the house tonight. So it was 8 p.m. I was supposed to stop at 8 p.m. So I decided to follow up on what he just said. I said, we need to do this really, really quickly. And they had just spent time praying for each other, well, blessing each other in the name of Jesus, I bless you. And you could sense the atmosphere change. So those with pain on the inside, those with, who come in with joint planes, pains, please raise your hands because everyone was standing at this particular time. And there was about 15 people who raised their hands. And so I pointed to the lady at the back and I said to her, I said, would you mind checking your pain? Before we pray, would you mind just checking your pain? So she starts wriggling around and pauses, straightens up, and a big grin comes across her face. And I said, what's happening? She said, it's gone. And so I said, you, you had pain when you came in tonight, yes. And you had pain during the service tonight, yes. And it's just left you. Yes, she said. Everyone does a bit of a cheer. So I asked the next person, she said, it's gone. Next person, it's gone. Every single person who raised their hand after the end of blessing each other was instantaneously healed. So we're beginning to catch a little bit of a, a view here that we can be proactive in changing the atmosphere so it's not just pleading with God, which is actually not a healing type prayer anyway, but being 
proactive in the sense of the authority that Jesus gives to every single believer. Now, I'm told you are all believers. He said so, so it must be right. He said, I, he, I could do what I want, so I am. <laughs> so every believer, if I go on what Luke 10 said, and Pastor Jeff spoke on a latter part of Luke 10, but the beginning of Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 35 teams, and he gives them authority. Announce the kingdom of God, heal the sick, essentially. Don't start comparing your accommodation, your food. There are people who are going to receive you, bless them. If they don't receive you, just bless them by moving on. Don't, don't sit there and, and your blessing is not going to be wasted. But then he's added this. He said, the cities that do not receive your word will have a worse punishment than Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that part? Because he says, as you speak... You are speaking with my authority, and if they reject you, they are not rejecting you, but they are rejecting me and also rejecting the Father who sent me. So think about that for a moment. Here, these unscholarly, untutored, hadn't been to the Rock Church ministry training or to Dayspring, were sent out with authority to heal the sick, in fact, they did more than heal the sick. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. All they did was walk out in the authority of Jesus and bless by saying the kingdom of heaven is here and be healed. Boom. We all have that authority. Let me just rephrase that. We all have that authority. You know, being believers doesn't mean that we are here as wishful thinkers. We're not even here, and we should be positive, but positive thinking doesn't bring about healing, even though physiologically and psychologically it can create a good environment. But we're here with authority, and it means that we exercise the authority of Jesus himself. That's what it means to be a believer. So we don't pray for each other and say, I wish you'll be healed. And God, I'd just like to remind you, this guy's a reasonably decent bloke, which is an Australian expression. Reasonably decent guy. So we ask that you, you'll you know, think about him and, and use our religious jargon when we actually mean work some magic. When we really should be saying, be healed. Does that make sense? So we'll get to exercise some of that tonight before we're through. Not long back, about two months ago, I was meeting with a group of, a um, small group of pastors, and uh, <coughs> we were at a Bill Johnson conference, um, but we met as a smaller group to discuss networking in Australia and and we were all asked to do a, a three-minute video. And my brief on the video was, I want you to speak about the things that you want to see restored. Restored to the church. Now, that's a reasonable challenge. Bigger challenge to try and do that in three minutes. Because I sat down and just jotted down some notes and 
said, yeah, I'd like to do that, and I'd like to see that, and I'd like to see that restored, and I'd like to see that. And I'd like, basically, all of them had to do with, let's replicate, really, what the New Testament is all about, rather than adding a whole bunch to the New Testament and trying to do this religious menagerie, which basically is syncretistic Christianity, which is not Christianity at all. If you think about that for a moment. So I got in front of the camera, and, and I'd written down... about a dozen different points and I I knew for sure I I wouldn't be able to do that in three minutes. And I I covered a little of it. More to the point of the church needs to start developing a language of understanding so we begin to move in the direction of our common language. So we need to know what we're on about. Now the first ten minutes I spoke about blessing. The church needs to know what it means to bless, and our communities need to be on the receiving end of massive blessing. It seems as though we, the church, uh, get our authority by being judgmental. In actual fact, that's a pure extraction from old covenant law, and that empowers us to be judgmental, and most people out there want to avoid that form of judgment. And we say, oh, but, you know, God's the one who judges. Well, that is true, so let's stay out of it. Why should we specialize in judgment when in actual fact Jesus says, I want you to go out and tell them about me, and I doubt most people out there think Jesus is a vengeful, judgeful, judgmental character. Everybody said, Jesus, nice guy. Jesus himself said, I represent my father. So his father must also be a nice guy. So we need to get our story right, our language right. We've discovered that in the presence of God and blessing provides a a powerful influence Transformation happens right in the midst of presence, which is God demonstrating his power. I have a friend in the UK who has a prayer retreat place uh, in Wales. And uh, I won't go through the long story, but God just asked him, I just want you to make this a place of my presence. They get people visiting and uh, driving by, turning in. One person said, you know, I, if, I, if I took my hands off the wheel, the car would have driven in here. What do you do? So here's this, we're compelled to come in, but we don't know what this is about. He says, well, we're just a prayer center, but would you like to come through? So they take people through the place, show them what, you know, the accommodations, show them, you know, this is where we eat and, before we go, we'll take you to the chapel, and uh, this is where we pray. And uh, also, we would like to bless you if, if that's something you would like to receive. The door's open. If you're embarrassed about getting blessing, you can just bolt for the door. But he said most people receive the blessing. Most people end up flat on their faces. Why didn't you tell me God was like this? There was a man who came into the foyer and, 
And the moment he walked in, his sort of courteous demeanour changed and he became a foul-mouthed, um, as we say in Australian English, his language was blue. In other words, he was jesting, using sexual jokes and, and um, they were wondering how they might be able to get him out of the place because he was loud and, and rude. You get the drift. Basically, he was manifesting. Took him through a tour. He kept this, this nonsense joking happening. Took him into the chapel. The moment he walked in, he just fell on his face. His la language changed. Why didn't you tell me God was real? And he walked out a completely transformed individual. So I'm reading some of these stories and, and now experiencing some of these stories and all I want in church is a place of presence, therefore a place of significant influence where people firsthand can meet God and receive the power of the Spirit. Does that make sense? It takes a room full of people blessing each other. It takes a church full of people blessing each other and blessing the community. And so we're asking our folk to bless each other. Most Sundays they come together. Let's pause and let's just bless each other. You can feel the atmosphere change. Now I want you to go out and bless your streets, bless your businesses. We had a couple of guys say, we had such desperate, bad relationships at work. Our boss... You know, one of them told a story and the other thought it was the story about him, the two of them experiencing the same thing. The boss was terrible. The morale and the staff was just excruciating. Uh, he said, I was, I was so damaged by this uh, character who was my boss, I was starting to suffer depression. So then on Sunday you talk about blessings, so I changed my prayers. And here's a clue. Because I know what a lot of Christians want to do, you know, they'll... They'll rebuke everything that moves that they think stands against them. Uh, and, and really a blessing can change that. So he said, I started blessing my boss. I started to bless his family and I, I wanted to bless him with, with fruitfulness and wage increase, salary increase. And this was this character who was abusive to everybody on staff. And he came back and said to us the following week, you know what happened? I started blessing him, him and within a week, he got a job promotion, out. <laughs> the whole staff changed. Everybody's happy. Everybody's cooperating with each other. This blessing thing works. Another lady came up to me, and I, and I remembered her from the, the week before from a, a prayer session we got together, and she was, her, her, her habit was anytime she prayed was, God, I ask you to send down angels and defeat, you know, dark angels and defeat the enemy. We rebuke Satan. We, you know, she was more that kind of person. And, uh, but she came up to me and says, and while others had got the blessing thing, she was still on this. And, and on Sunday morning, she came up and she says, I think I got it wrong. And at that time, I, I, just, I just was very simple. I said, yes. She said, but I have a family member who has suffered depression for years and is so bad 
that she locks herself in the room and doesn't come out to greet, meet anyone. No engagement socially for weeks. So I changed my prayer, she said, and I started blessing her. And within three days, she walked out of that room and started to engage people. My brother who lives up on the Gold Coast, and I think I told a little bit of his story, a radical salvation from atheism. But his sons remain unbelievers, perhaps except for one. And he listens to the, the podcast, web streaming, and he said, I, I changed my prayers, he says, for my family. Instead of you know, asking God to change my sons, he said, I just started blessing them. Within a few days, he said, my middle son came to me. He said, Dad, how can I experience the presence of God? That's not a bad request from an unbeliever. Blessing. It does change things. We have um, a healing center, healing rooms, if you will, and we've got quite a number of you know, team members there and, and large numbers of people come through. And just before I left, the leader of the, of the healing center came. She says, no, she says, every time people come, we, we do our ministry with them and then, then we bless them and, and send them home. She says, we're changing our, our tactic. We're blessing them as soon as they come in. Because we're finding healing happens faster when we bless them first. Now, this is, this is sort of fresh off the press. We're just, just sort of experimenting with this stuff because there's, there's no sort of you know, incantations involved. There isn't serious training involved to set an atmosphere for healing or, or blessing. It's just start blessing in the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? I was leading in a moment ago some of the things that I wanted to see change. Uh, let me just go through some of those just by point of reminder and keeping in mind that we don't have time to, you know, each one of these probably would do a sermon or two or a series. So my disclaimer is uh, I probably will headline some things that bear a little more explanation, a little more teasing out, um, etc. So, so bear with me. Um, if, if I raise more questions than I actually answer, but if I do raise questions in regard to this, I'm going to say it's a good thing. I wrote down these, and they're still in the order I just scribbled before I went before the interview. But this is the, these are some of the things I want to see the church start to develop. Restore the simplicity of following Christ's commands only. Jesus says, go out and make disciples, Matthew 28. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And you guarantee, you have a look at most discipleship programs, and there is some there of what Jesus commanded, but there's a whole bunch of other things that everybody else commanded. Does that make sense? Teach people to follow what I have commanded. In fact, we'll have a far more powerful and far more simple operation in church if we did precisely that. As part of that, restore the New Testament simplicity without the cultic trappings. And the fight in the New Testament was, you know, what the old school did, what the Jewish old covenant believers did 
and trying to transition into what Paul was telling them about, there, there was a fight on. The greatest battle that Paul was facing was exactly the battle against those who wanted to maintain the status quo. The book of Hebrews is, is, I think, an amazing book. I mean, Acts is amazing. Romans is amazing. Corinthians, Galatians are amazing. Ephesians is amazing. And if we stuck with those things and actually planted them in, we'd be different. And so here the writer of Hebrews, and there are writers like Arthur Pink who believe absolutely strongly that it was Paul who wrote that, definitely someone who was influenced strongly by Paul. I have a notion it was Paul, it's just purely and sort of a, if you're really academic about it, you'll say we don't know. If you want to take a hunch, I'll say it's Paul. And uh, because of the language there, and also um, because he was wanting to impress a group of people and he would not impress those he wanted to impress if he put his name to it. The other solution is it was a woman. That's why the name's not mentioned. Just a thought. Just stirring up just a little bit. But Hebrews was written to a group of people who had lost their rights to the temple, had lost their privileges to, you know, engage in, in, in Jewish traditional religious worship because the Christians met every day at the temple, remember? Persecution breaks out and they are wrenched from that privilege. Are you, are you hearing that? I'm trying to summarize what for them would have been an emotional attachment to that. So what are we going to do now that we, we, we cannot go to the temple? We cannot, what do we do with our worship? What do we do with uh, the, the, the symbols that we all pursue? The, the, and they were still doing sacrifices. They were still doing that back at that time. So there was this, you know, the new covenant was, was not sort of a clean-cut thing, even though it was a clean-cut thing when the veil was ripped from top to bottom because access to the most holy place was, was there. Took a while for that to take effect. So Hebrews is telling the believers, I'll paraphrase, stop fretting. What we have in Jesus is far superior than everything that you enjoyed at the temple. What we have in Jesus is a priesthood who will never die, whose sacrifice gave permanent forgiveness the rules have now changed because of Jesus. He is now the high priest. Hebrews is such a powerful book saying, you now have access to the throne room, not just a location in Jerusalem that now you're banned from, but you have access to the throne room. Your protocol now is to come boldly and with confidence in there all because of Jesus. Does that make sense? So we have this radical shift, and it was a tough thing for those who were emotionally attached to the rites and symbols and, and rituals and, as Paul says, the shadows. Shadows can be very meaningful if they become habits, but they're also bondage unless you're pursuing Jesus. Does that make sense? So in this context, without taking weeks to talk about 
new covenant and grace and the power of Jesus and the, and the radical nature of the new covenant because it's the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit that brings about righteousness. We believe and we, I'll paraphrase this, we get a freebie on righteousness. Now, is the righteousness that God gives us a lesser righteousness than that demanded by the law? I'll help you. No, it's a greater righteousness. If you pursue righteousness by law, two things happen. You will always be depressed because the law says you, I'll use the Australian phrase, you suck. <laughs> Which is a paraphrase of the Greek word, sucks. <laughs> Fleshly. The law can only produce death. Now, I'll cut to a little bit of a chase and a little bit of a hobby horse for me is, um, you know, I, I, just, I just don't get this notion that, you know, grace is, is, is too wonderful and it needs to be balanced by a ministry of death, which is what Corinth was struggling with and Paul addresses them in 2 Corinthians 3. So we now have the spirit that's a ministry of life and you're trying to suck sand by keeping law. And of course he doesn't hold back and Paul gets very short on the pastoral side when he calls Galatians, you stupid gits. Short for stupid Galatians. And he goes further. You have been bewitched. And the point of Galatians is not so much, you know, whether someone can, you know, which law or what can suffice as being sufficient. The point of Galatians is, do those who are filled with the Spirit need law to back up the demands of righteousness? Or do we need additional stuff? And the answer is unequivocal. The Holy Spirit... Jesus is fully able to fully equip us with all power and with all righteousness. In fact, a righteousness that supersedes the demands of the law. I had a friend of mine saying, you know, it's a bit like cooking, you know, grace. You know, cooking needs a pinch of salt and grace needs a pinch of law. And I'm horrified by that because it begs a question, okay, which law? Which law are you going to take a pinch of? Is it the law of Jesus? And the answer would absolutely be not because you're not going to take a pinch of Jesus. You want all of him. Seriously. Is it a pinch of Moses? And the answer is no, because the law of Moses demands you can't take a pinch of it, you have to do all of it. Let's get logical here. So why do we want to balance grace, God's empowering presence, the only way through the blood of Jesus that we are made righteous with something that is less than and something that is actually a ministry of death 
and something that demands you must do all of it or you're damned. I confess to being a little bit angry when people start to diminish the goodness of God and start to say grace is way too weak and more grace means it's cheap. That is blasphemy in my opinion because grace only comes through the death of Jesus and that was not cheap. In fact, it's the only way we can be made righteous. Seriously. Hebrews talks about the old law was based on the ministry of Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood. And now that Jesus is the new priest, there is a change in law. Hebrews 7 and 8. So when Jesus comes in with empowered presence, presence of the Holy Spirit, a dynamic way of bringing in righteousness as a gift to us. It also was a gift in the old covenant, but only for one year. But it only was symbolic because you weren't fully forgiven because the priest had to do it again and again and again. Have you got that? So anything is repeated, it couldn't have worked the previous time because now he's got to do it again. Whereas Jesus did it once. Once. And he's still alive. So we now have a new priest, a new priesthood, therefore a different law, new covenant. So don't tell me we need to balance this administration of grace, as Ephesians 3 talks about, with the ministry of a lesser priesthood. If you say we need to balance grace by law, you're saying we need to balance the priesthood of Jesus with the priesthood of Aaron. That's sheer nonsense. Have you got that? And yet the battle that's on now in the church at large is over the whole aspect of grace. And if I were the devil, I'd make sure that battle was hot. Because I would, if I was the devil, would want to make sure people did not get grace. Or think of it as a cheap access only. Well, having access is brilliant all of its own. But access doesn't come without the power to stay and remain. We're talking about the presence of God in our lives, the presence in you. Now we're taking back full circle because you have the authority of Jesus, correct? The thing that will rob you from that authority is law. Because the law will say you're not good enough for that authority. In actual fact, the kingdom advancing needs believers who know their authority in Jesus and therefore have squared away their identity. I hope that makes sense to you. Because I feel like I'm just grabbing a few things and, and sticking them in a few points and then try to ram them in and, and say, get a hold of that. I had 12 points and I've done one. <laughs> but I think that one will do. Are you cool with that?
much more where that came from. Father, I ask that your presence will be so powerful in our midst. We just thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood that just gives us permanent forgiveness. We thank you that we can walk in you, accepted in the privilege of having your authority and, and the joy of extending the kingdom is, is a privilege. And I ask for your anointing on every person in the house tonight. I'd like you to stand if you wouldn't mind. And I'd like you to pair up someone that you're quite happy to bless, for example. Don't do anything yet. Some instructions here. When you pray, I don't want you to shut your eyes. Do you mind? That's going to cut against habit. But I want you to be fully cognizant of what's going on. I'm not asking you to pray until they fall over anything. Um, I'm just, just saying, I want, you're going to pray and you're going to be, be praying in the authority of Jesus. Another thing I don't want you to do, I don't want you, one, shut your eyes. Secondly, I don't want you to say, Father, I ask that you will bless this person. That's not a bad prayer and that's not an illegitimate prayer. But in this occasion, I want you to exercise authority in the name of Jesus, which means you look at that person in the face and say, I bless you. You're speaking like Jesus would speak. The person listening to you needs to listen to Jesus speaking. So I bless you in the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus, you know, however you want to phrase that, but you are taking first-person responsibility, I bless you. Now, you don't need to be a prophet to know the person you're praying for needs good health, they need resources, they need a happy family, they need a warm place in winter, you know, those, those kinds of things are sort of normal things, and they are good things to pray for and bless them with. You know, the Lord's Prayer is full of, give us this day our daily bread, you do that. So I bless you. I bless you with resource. I bless you with a permanent job. I bless you with increase. I bless you with happy friends. I bless you with an ability to change atmosphere when you're with people. I bless your body. I bless you with health and with strength and vitality. Are you getting the drift? Yeah. All right, you're not asking God to do that. I want you to do that. Because last time I looked, the Holy Spirit was in you. Now, the last time I read my Bible, that's God. Yes? Not half a God. Not half a God, depending on how much coffee you did or didn't have. And some of us act like, oh, I'm not really up to this. Well, don't suffocate the Spirit, for goodness sake. Sure, you may not be up for it. You may be six coffees short. but the Holy Spirit has full power 100% of the time. And the difference is called faith. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in the Spirit of Jesus. And in His name and His authority, I bless you. You prepared for that? Very softly. Add to blessing. I bless you. All right.
Are you ready to do this? All right, I want you to just wind up, take turns, and really lay it on. I bless you in the name of Jesus, and you bless them with everything. Keeping in mind, you're praying for a group of people who are part of your community and are going to set the stage for how good this place is. Don't forget to keep your eyes open. Look at the person in the face and bless them. The next person should be doing the blessing now, if you haven't already finished. If you've already finished, just be quiet and be patient for a mo just a half minute more. Because there'll be some healing tonight as well and we've just got a few minutes left. When you're done, just want you to give each other a big hug. I could go New Testament and say give each other a holy kiss. I'm not quite sure what a holy kiss is. <laughs> How are you feeling? Good. All right, there's one or two still going, I think of it. Just looking around. There are few ladies way back in the in the beginning other than sorry don't know your name mrs polka dot lady nicole. nicole how are you feeling by the way 
you're especially feeling better. You had whiplash in a car accident. And what's the change like now? I think I heard what she says. There's been a complete diminishing of the pain. Is that, did I hear you right? That's awesome, especially for whiplash. All right, we're not fully over yet. You've probably heard it before because all my friends, like Randy Clark, Bill Johnson, let's celebrate what God's doing, not get frustrated with what we think he should be doing. Let's celebrate that. So there's healing there that's been remarkable. So let's, let's, let's pray for more. That's, that's awesome. That's just great. Now, a couple of you raised your hands. Yes. All right. Just for those of you who, I don't, it doesn't really matter because we've run out of time again, what pain there is or what your medical condition is or the injury you have um, internally or joints, etc. Would you raise your hand if you are needing prayer tonight? All right, there are a few. For those of you with your hands not raised, can you keep your hands up, please? Uh, for those of you with hands not raised, could you go to them? For those of you with your hands raised, once someone's with you, lower your hands. I just want to make sure everyone's covered. Don't start praying just yet. All right, there's someone with you, so you can lower your hand. Some, someone's there, good. Guy down the back here, it looks like people are with him. It looks like people are with you, sir, there. So you can lower your hand. Awesome. All right. For those of you doing the praying, rules are eyes open. Watch what you're doing. Ask the person first what you're praying for, and the person responding, that's the ones who raise their hands in the first place, please don't give a detailed medical history. Just say, I hurt in my shoulder or I'm battling pain here or, you know, whiplash. Keep it really short and simple because give those who are praying for you just a handle and a direction. If it's appropriate for you guys who are doing the praying uh, to lay hands on the, on the injured area, by all means, otherwise, ask permission to put your hands on your shoulder. So let's just be the other part, which is really important. Keep your prayer short. We have found the longer the prayers, the less likely that there's healing. <laughs> Go figure. You know, it cuts against all the religious habits that we've had. You know, the longer the prayer, oh, oh, oh that was good. You get any healing? No, but the prayer was good. Because <laughs> as we pray longer and longer, it, we begin to think even subconsciously that it's our praying that is healing. It's not the case. You know, Jesus says, come forth. Uh, Two-word command prayer. And that was a resurrection. Get up. Personal night death just gets up out of bed. Keep our prayers short. Because it's the healing power of God that does this, not the healing power of how vocalized we can be with our requests. Does that make sense? Really, let's just do that and, you know, I'd much rather pray 10, as I've done on many occasions, 10 short prayers because you've got time to do it than one long one and both walk away miserable trying to develop a theology of why people aren't healed. And there's a really good one. We don't know.
But there have been times when I've prayed, you know, for eyes. I remember in Brazil, I was praying for a lady who couldn't see except for about two or three inches in front. I said, do you mind if I pray? Can I put my, my thumb in your eyes? Yes. In the name of Jesus, eyes be healed. How's that? No change. No change. No change. I prayed about five, six, seven times. There was nothing. In the past, I'd walk away and say, bless you trying to figure out how I could do it better next time. So I said, can I pray again? Oh, she says, that's a little better. Can I pray again? And I started to feel, you know, this was persistent. Prayed again. This was about the ninth time. Oh, she says, that's a little bit better. I said, well, let's thank God for the little bit better, but there's still more. Yes, she says, do you mind if I pray again? I prayed 15 times. Finally, she was standing 20 feet away and could read my name badge. It taught me that, you know, thank Jesus for that. But in the past, I would have stopped at one long prayer. I might have stopped at five short, good-hearted prayers. But I know God wants to heal, and sometimes it takes longer. So if you pray short, you've got the time to do it. But the operative thing is pray, check it out. Eyes be healed. Now, how's that? Nothing. Again and again. Finally, oh, that's better. Oh, that's a little bit better. There's a little bit more and so forth. So check it out. Your movement from, you know, your neck, for instance, with whiplash, the more you tried to move, in response to a short prayer, the more likely healing will start to, to continue. So do, being able to do that, so you, you're, you're doing this transaction, pray, check, respond, thank God for what's happening so it raises faith, do it again and do it again. Does that make sense? So, all right, you know what to do. Eyes open. Ask them what the deal is. Keep your prayers short. In the name of Jesus, Command this to be healed. All right, let's go for it. You don't need to pray longer than about 20 seconds before you check. Ask the person to check themselves out, move a limb or leg, move the body, just check out what's happening. If there's a 80% more change, could you wave your hands? Just check and then... If you're still praying your first prayer, my suggestion is stop and check. Just while we're pausing, I know at 8.30 we're supposed to stop. 
pastor said I can continue for a little bit, but I also know there are parents who need to pick up kids. If you need to do that, you're, you're free to do that right now. We'll just spend about another four or five minutes. Okay, for those of you being, being prayed for first round, can you check yourselves out and can you wave if there's an 80% more increase? As in lady down here, brilliant, awesome. 80% or is it fully? Not fully. One more prayer. Another one down the back here. Awesome. Is that 80% more or full? 100%. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand for that. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Anybody else? 80% or more? All the way. Awesome. That's reason we say 80% is because the next 20% isn't so hard. So we can celebrate and then we can, we can conclude. All right, how many have had a, a, a measure of healing so far? Not, not full or not 80%. How many have seen uh, alleviation or a measure of healing so far? Can you just raise your hands? One, two, three, four, five. All right, six. Awesome. Can we go another round now? All right, we're only doing two, and then I'll close off. If you want to stay longer and do this, you're welcome. But uh, let's do it one more time. Let's thank Jesus for the start. Thank Jesus for what has happened, even if it's a 10% increase. Thank Jesus for that, and then pray for more. Let's do it again. You've got a minute. That 80% are full. 100%. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That was worth coming tonight, wasn't it? Okay, it's about 20 seconds and then we'll, we'll check again. Okay, can you look this way? Hands up, in the second round, you got 80% or more healing that second time round. Great. Blessings. That's fabulous. Another lady down there, 100%, just while we were, we were waiting. Anybody else? Anyone with 50%? One here. Thank Jesus for that. And let's go for the remainder. Another one over here. Awesome. I'm really serious about um, I remember being in Uganda and it's the only place where everybody who stood for healing during the meetings got healed, except for one lady. But she came back the following morning totally healed. And those of us up front, me particularly, didn't lay hands on any of them. Just novices 
doing their stuff. It was great. Well, we've got quite a number of healings tonight. Let's just, just thank Jesus for that, shall we? Father, we just thank you. Father, I ask for your grace, and in the name of Jesus, I bless the rock. I bless it as a place of a ground of blessing. Bless it as a place of ground of healing, deliverance, freedom, joy in the Holy Spirit, and also uh, a ruthless attendance to the liberty of the New Testament. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.